Welcome to the Pete on Software podcast, where we program with passion. This is the podcast that discusses technology, the business side of software, and the tech people that drive our industry. And now, here's your host, Pete Shearer. Hi, and welcome to episode 47 of the Pete on Software podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about Apple's WWDC event that just went down last month in June 2016. This year's keynote promised us big things, just like they do every year. And just like every year, we get some stats thrown in our face right off the bat. There are 13 million registered developers, 2 million of which are added in the last year. At first I was wondering if that was due to Swift and some of the attraction and hype there, but then I realized this has been like 7-8 years of this, and 2 million devs is only slightly higher than their running average, so... I mean, statistics, am I right? There's also... They told us that there's 2 million apps in the App Store, only like 1.5 million of which are fart apps and Flappy Bird clones. To me, that just screams that Apple really needs to fix the App Store discoverability. Jokes aside, Apple also reports that 130 billion apps have been downloaded and $50 billion have been paid directly to developers. I'm sure a hefty portion of that is for Clash of Clans players, but at the same time, Apple is definitely an ecosystem that can allow you to make money, no doubt about that. But after the cold hard facts, though, we were immediately hit in the face with the everything is magic talk. I mean, what's funny to me is this is a conference for developers, and they're talking to devs like they're consumers. Devs know how the sausage is made. Who is the magic talk for? The keynote covered all four of their platforms, watchOS, tvOS, OS X, and iOS, and advancements that were made in each. They made a big deal that this is that they've never done four before. But tvOS is pretty new, so basically, the previous WWC covered three, Watch, OS X, and iOS, so they're bragging again about a whole lot of nothing. Starting with watchOS, there was a big change to watchOS app load times. Now that they have some usage information, they realize that they can spare some battery and CPU cycles, so they're going to use them, and they're going to make them help to launch um, apps faster by allowing you to keep your favorite apps in memory allowing background updates, refresh info, and basically what, they call, what they're call they calling instant launch. This was illustrated uh, with a comparison between loading an app that was called OneFootball uh, on watchOS 2 and 3. So same watch hardware, just different, different OSs. They're going to have a dock on the watch, which the apps are going to get the dock, which is going to have which of the apps are going to get this special treatment. You could see the apps live while they're in the dock previews, which really helps display the fact that the background refreshing is really going on. Uh, we're also going to get a swipe up control center on the watch. Like on the iPhone or the iPad, when you swipe up, you have access to some of the quick things you might want to do, uh, your frequently used controls. Another new feature is a thing called Scribble, which I actually kind of like, though, is a way to respond to messages. Basically, you can use your finger to write letters, but you just keep writing the letters one at a time on the watch face, not worrying about trying to like fit words inside by to side or anything. You can even respond in languages that don't use the Roman alphabet, uh, languages like Chinese. Apple also included an SOS feature on the watch that's pretty cool. You press and hold the side button, and it'll count down to let you know that it's about to go down, just in case you did it accidentally. And then it calls, either by phone or Wi-Fi, uh, makes a call to emergency services. It'll then contact your emergency contacts as well, and tell them where you are. It knows where you are, and it will call the appropriate services, meaning 911 in the United States and, and the appropriate equivalents everywhere else, depending on what country you're in. Another cool thing is activity sharing that lets you see other people's activity rings uh, and stats and lets you add competition to the workouts. You can even message people then from that uh, that you're sharing with to motivate them or to talk smack. This is definitely something that helps people be successful in attempts at being healthier. 
So good on Apple, good on to Apple for baking it in. One thing I did like though was they added an effort for accessibility. They changed the watch to allow people who are in wheelchair users uh, to get better stats based on how they'd move their arms in comparison with people who walk. They also get time to roll notices every hour instead of time to stand. It may seem like a small thing, but it seems like the kind of consideration that can really ingratiate you with your audience who are used to being largely ignored in consumer products. TVIOS was up next, and they're just pushing the whole future of TV as apps thing. There are now 1,300 video channels and 6,000 native applications. Apple announced that you can now use your iPhone instead of the remote with the new uh, iOS remote app. That's a good idea. Remotes get lost, damaged, they're a pain to just keep track of. So being able to use your phone to control the TV is good business. Live tune-in was also pretty good. You could just say, watch ESPN2 and, or whatever, and it finds the app that would handle that kind of request and then launches that app. Single sign-on is going to be a big help for people who have to sign in and authenticate and get a key code for some browser. All the stuff you have to do to sign into some of these apps to be able to prove that you're you and that you should be getting it on your service, it's now going to be handled under a single sign-on umbrella but it seems like that's going to need buy-in and app changes from the developers. I have an Android phone right now, and the fact that every app can just use my Google credentials makes things a lot easier. I'm hoping this single sign-on will bring that kind of ease of use. I just got a tvOS for my birthday, or tvOS, I mean an Apple TV for my birthday. Uh, I'm hoping to see some of this stuff happen and, and make a big difference in how I'm watching TV. I'm going to be honest, I'm not, I haven't drunk the Kool-Aid. I'm not entirely optimistic, uh, but we'll see. Another thing they added was that getting apps on your phone will automatically add the app to the television, to the Apple TV, if there is one connected at the time. Here's one that's kind of interesting, Replay Kit. This gets in on the very popular trend now of sharing gaming highlights or live video, you know, things like Twitch. So it's an add-on letting you live broadcast gameplay or save for later. Uh, TVOS is also adding HomeKit stuff and Photo Library, which are just snooze for me, so they are what they are. Next up, we get our OS X changes. OS X as a name has been the name for 15 years. And Craig Federighi even made a joke that the name kind of sticks out. And if you can just picture in your mind, lined up, we have iOS, Watch OS, TV OS, and OS X. The 10's kind of out there, you know, so we're getting a rename to Mac OS. Normally, I don't give a crap about naming, but Mac OS just kind of makes sense here. They are going to keep naming them after places since they ran out of cats. So this one's going to be called macOS Sierra. Uh, we're getting auto unlock. This is nothing really new to the marketplace. There was a product that already did this previously, and a former coworker of mine named Chad was really big into it. He thought it was really cool, going to be super useful, but if it's still even around, I guess it's getting Sherlock. Basically, you can set your phone to be your token, and when you get the phone near the computer, which should mean that you are near your computer, the computer will unlock. This next one seems really simple, but it made me really happy. Universal copy and paste. When they announced it, like the audience literally <gasps> gasped. It's just, it was crazy. You can now copy on your Mac and then paste on your phone or vice versa. The number of times that I actually wished I could do that is pretty high. What I would do a lot of times is copy it on the Mac, send myself an email, click the link in the email, something like that. Or send an iMessage, pick it up somewhere else. You know, that, that kind of thing, it's, it actually happens more than you think. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm not just saying this and you guys are like, yeah, yeah, Pete, I get it. I don't know. But to me, that one seemed really cool. The new iCloud enhancements that they were kind of pitching made it sound like they were trying to build Pied Piper from the HBO Silicon Valley TV show. Basically, you're getting optimized storage. You keep your older files in iCloud, newer ones on, uh, on your drive. But I assume they, what they really want is for you to buy into their expanded iCloud benefits, pay for more service, pay for more storage. Uh, they did a demo where 
a drive had 20 gigs free out of 250, and then it went up to 150 gigs free out of the 250. So some stuff was deleted, but it also did like 50, 75, 100 gigs go to the cloud. That wasn't really entirely clear, but if you have a bandwidth cap on your home connection, it seems like it might wreck you if you use this. They're bringing Apple Pay to the web, which makes it seem like they're trying to get some of those PayPal and Square dollars. But the continuity to the phone on that one with Touch ID uh, is the way to go on the web. You make the purchase, but then it hits up the phone where you can authenticate with your fingerprint to the phone, which lets the web know back. That was pretty slick. If that works as, as the demo advertised, that's nice stuff. Tons of merchants on board with that, as Apple usually does when they're ready to roll out. They're taking browser tabs. Browser tabs are something I remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago, just kind of, oh, you know, that was important. And I bought in, I bought into tabs at some point. I never really thought about apps being tabs, but something that Apple is now going to offer is having tabs on all your apps with no developer intervention. You just get it for free with the OS. Uh, picture in picture, that's another thing. That's kind of nice. You can literally have a movie or some video playing like docked into a portion of your screen. Uh, while you work, just like the picture-in-picture picture that you might see have seen on TVs. Usually they have that going in stores. I don't know too many people that do picture-in-picture, picture, unless maybe they've got a couple of sporting events going uh, on actual TVs, but being able to have a movie going while I'm doing something else, you know, checking Facebook or something else just on one screen instead of having multiple devices invite, involved is pretty cool. They now added Siri to the Mac, so now you can just say things like, show the files I worked on last week related to the offsite." And then follow up that list, and you want to filter it further, you say, just the ones Ken sent me that I tagged as draft. You can then pin them in the results, like the result of that search query, into your notification center for access later. So again, that was another one where if the real life lives up to the demo, that seems pretty cool. Uh, seems like you have to do some upfront work, you know, like this tagging and how do they know it's related to the offsite, stuff like that. But if you do love that level of organization, you can get kind of like the enterprise computer level of interaction with your Mac, and that's... I mean, that's basically the geek dream, right? They had another part of the demo where they search the web for pictures of falconry, and then you can drag a picture out of the results right into your document. And then they took and they copied and pasted from the iPad to the Mac of the picture he was drawing. It was just, it was really good. All the continuity was there. Uh, it was good stuff. Uh, after that demo, though, we were on to iOS, and we weren't even halfway through the keynote's time, so I didn't know what to expect here. But in turn, it just kind of seems like they end up dragging their feet, actually. Spoiler alert. iOS 10, they have raised awake notifications on the lock screen, enhanced by adding 3D touch. Control Center was redesigned with easy access to widgets, which I don't know who uses widgets. I mean, it looked great, but there's nothing in there that was earth-shattering to me. Siri enhancements. The biggest one is that Siri is now available to developers. But SiriKit is going to let you do Siri stuff with your apps. Make it available to be controlled by Siri, searched by Siri. You know, whatever. The next one was enhancements to quick type, which first I was thinking, swipe? Like, what are you talking about? What is this? But instead, you're getting some smart stuff in there. Like when someone types, where are you? Uh, one of the quick things that comes up above your keyboard that you can just answer is reply with a map where you can say, here I am. Bang. They get to see a map of where you're at. You can quick search calendar inf or calendar availability, contact info. After that, it was photos. And, you know, there's 11 billion computations per photo. You can cluster your photos based on location, who's in it. Access all the photos. I'm be honest. I spaced out here. I don't really care about pictures. I'm not a picture taker. I don't use picture services. I don't take pictures of all my meals in every place I visit. The way the phone makes uh, movie and highlight reels, though, of your collections and lets you edit the mood and length of the movie for sharing, that was pretty cool. Like, I hate looking at people's pictures of their vacations because, like I said, I'm not super crazy about the picture thing. And you were there, not me. And pictures don't do it justice. Blah, blah, blah. But you know what? If you can take all your pictures and let the phone kind of distill that down to a minute and a half movie with a nice little uh, action-packed soundtrack, 
yeah, I'll watch that. You know, so I like that. I thought it was a good idea. Maps, there's a new design. It's more proactive. It's opened up to developers. New Apple Music changes, new news, subscriptions. HomeKit, blah, blah, new app, Home Central Automation app. I don't care. Messages. Emojify was kind of cool. So this isn't something I'd necessarily be super crazy about, but I can see where this is going to be really, really a big feature. So you can switch out words for emoji if there's an emoji that represents that. So if you type, I love that, and I touch the word love, like heart, one of the heart emojis, and some of those things pop up to just let me replace the word quickly if I want to go through and just, you know, teen it up or something. Bubble effects, handwritten messages, apps, third-party app integration. iMessages were always better than other way other phones handle messaging. Honestly, iMessage is the only thing that I miss when I switch from my iPhone 6 to my Nexus 6P Android phone back in March. So, I mean, iMessage is it. They're innovating. Uh, I thought this was good stuff. But now, towards the end, we actually got two developers at the Worldwide Developer Conference. The big one, though, the big announcement being Swift Playgrounds for the iPad. This seems built to help. At first, it seemed like it was built to help people learn how to program. And I was worried how typing code on the iPad would suck. Uh, but there's a lot of helpful things to drag and drop and get some helpful hints. Uh, but can it handle real programming? Yeah, it can. The coding keyboard lets you type whatever you want in the playgrounds, and it has almost like IntelliSense or autocomplete uh, in the suggestions, so typing isn't such a chore. I really want this, actually. I want to get it. I want to play with it. I want to try it out. When they started talking, I didn't. I didn't really, really know what was going on, but now I want it. I want it. I want it bad. I'm going to put the bait on my iPad just to be able to play with some of this. My son's also showing an interest in coding, uh, so this would be an awesome tool for him to try to learn. Uh, that's it. That's how it ended, so that's how we end. All in all, it was a fairly average WWC. I think the iMessage changes really hit big with consumers. I think they're just now getting this Apple Watch to usable. Uh, I think I'm going to love universal copy and paste. And I think Swift Playgrounds on the iPad are going to have the potential to make a lot more people programming literate. And I'm super excited about that. So for my pick of the week this week, it's the NES Classic Edition that Nintendo is going to release this November. Put a link to the story about it in the show notes, but... This thing is going to retail for $59.99. It looks like a mini classic NES console. And it comes with 30 preloaded games. Balloon Fight, Bubble Bobble, Castlevania 1 and 2, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Double Dragon 2, Dr. Mario Excite Bite, Mario Brothers, Mega Man 2, Ninja Gaiden, Punch-Out, Mario 1, 2, 3, Tech Mobile, Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2. All these games, right? I left some out, but I mean, just right through the list. That's what it's coming with. You can't use classic. You cannot use classic Nintendo carts on it. And there seems to be no way to get more games on it at all. So you got the 30, you got the 30, that's what you got. However, if I can play these games, which include so many of my favorites, I don't think I'm going to mind all that much. I would say I was going to ask for this for Christmas, but at the same time, I don't want to have to wait another month on top of the four months that I already have to wait. So I just hope they make enough of these so that I can get one without a lot of hassle. That's it for this week. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can hit me up at Pete on Software on Twitter or on my blog, PeteOnSoftware.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.